Heavenly Father, we thank you for each one that's braved the elements to be here tonight. We just ask that you would bless our time together. And Lord, give us safety on the way home that we may gather again and praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It looks like the snow has started in earnest. And so we'll do our best to get you out of here before it's piled so deep that we can't get out the front doors. Amen. Um, uh, I just I just love the enthusiasm of the weather people, don't you? Uh, this is a named storm. I, I like what Brother Mike was telling me. He's listening to a radio program, and the guy was letting a lady from the Weather Channel just go on and on. He said, what would you call this if it were 10 degrees warmer? And she said, well, I, he said, I think you'd call it rain. <laughs> but... Uh, I think it's going to take more than 10 degrees to turn this to rain, and, but uh, we'll uh, enjoy the blessings of the Lord, and, uh, uh, and we'll see what the Lord will do. Just be careful, be safe, and uh, let's go to chapter 17 of the book of John, and uh, tonight, by God's grace, we're going to finish up. If you need an outline, just uh, pick your hand there and wave it. And uh, this is the prayer uh, of Jesus Christ. Jesus is praying. It's interesting. If you knew that this was your last opportunity to pray for the disciples, to pray uh, about things that Jesus would pray in just a few minutes, just about the crucifixion. But now he has a little bit of a break here and he is praying for all of these other things and I want you to just think about this. Jesus is taking time to pray for these things right now and what is the overriding theme? He is about to be arrested, wrongly accused, put to shame, beaten, crucified, and buried. And yet, what is he praying about? The glorification of the Father and the glorification of himself. And of course, why do we praise the Lord? Why do we bring glory to his name today? Because he died in my place, amen? He died that I might be free. He suffered in my place. And I, I don't know any better way to put it. I heard a preacher talking about it. And he said, the infinite God accomplished in a finite period of time what would take you as a finite person all eternity to accomplish in hell. That's why God can forgive us our sins through the suffering of his cross. Amen? Amen? And one thing that we... I, I was reading a, a, just some a sermon, actually. It's a little longer than a sermon by John Bunyan. He lived in the 1500s, into the early 1600s, uh, and uh, was a Baptist preacher... 
And one of the things that he was lamenting in his day was he said, you know, people do not understand about hell. He said, if people understood more about hell than they do, they would live differently than they do. So, how more up-to-date could you get than that? And uh, yet, he was writing in the 1500s. During the reign of King Henry VIII, I believe he published that pamphlet. And uh, times change, people don't. And so let's pick it up here um, just so we get the context and, and where we're going here. Let's uh, start in verse 14. I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world but thou but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and that, excuse me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Now, we've got to stop somewhere, but I mean, every line of this prayer is just compacted with truths that will help you and I to live today. Amen? And Jesus is praying these things. He is praying that these things will happen. And verse 20, I believe it is, is just one of the most amazing verses in all the Bible. Because the way we are and the way we think and the way we operate is we are concerned with what's in front of us. Amen? We are... Uh, uh, I, I am not a long-term strategic planner. Uh, I just never have gotten into that because most of the people, most of the time as you plan things out in advance, you have to change them before you get there. So why waste the time remaking the plans when you can just make them one time just before it happens, amen? Uh, um. And I'm not recommending that. I mean, there is something to be said for uh, planning things ahead and all of that. But Jesus is speaking to the disciples. And he is telling them, he says, I have given them 
thy word. And the world hath hated them because they are not of this world. The world cannot love the word and the word cannot be a part of the world. These two do not mix. Somebody said, well, it's like oil and vinegar. Well, no, it's not. Because you can mix oil and vinegar. You say, oh, no, you can't. Give me a bottle. I'll shake it up. Uh, You can get it pretty well mixed. Now, it won't stay that way. But this is not oil and vinegar. These are two separate things. You cannot put them together. Now, when you have things that you cannot put together, what are they? They are separate. In that terrible world in Christianity today, I mean, you listen to anybody on the Christian radio or television, and the biggest problem that we face today is division in the body of Christ. Well, wait a minute, no. The biggest problem that we face today is there is not enough separation between those who call themselves Christian and the world in which they live. In fact, we have a whole group of preachers that are preaching a doctrine of unseparation. Can I use that word? Because no one in their right mind would say, in order to truly serve Christ... You must become a worldling. No one in their right mind, excuse me, would say those words. But here's what they say. You know, we, 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 we offend the world too much. Well, that's what Jesus said was going to happen. Amen? Amen? He said, if you have this, the world is going to hate you. Isn't it amazing that today everybody has rights, unless you're quoting the Bible. You ever notice that? Everybody has a a privilege and a right unless you're advocating for the Ten Commandments. And yet, let me ask you a question. Did uh, Ted Bundy put the Ten Commandments up in his house before he did all the heinous acts of crime that he did? No. Do you think if he was raised in a place where those Ten Commandments were everywhere present, maybe he just wouldn't have been as prone to go places, he probably still would have ended up a pretty rotten guy. Uh, Let me tell you, people choose those paths on purpose. But you know, when the Ten Commandments was everywhere, when God's word was in the warp and woof, if we want to use, of American society, when we have men like Benjamin Franklin telling Thomas Paine, of all people, to take his book on a godless society and throw it away because he was afraid of what would happen. 
He said, as bad as man is with religion, I just can't imagine how bad it would be without. So, Mr. Payne, just get rid of your book. And he went over to France and published it there, and we all know what happened over in France. The difference between the French Revolution and the American Revolution was not the difference between night and day. It was the difference between day and a nightmare. Why? Because the influence wasn't there. You see, some people think that the only influence of the Scripture can come through the state church, which is a lie. Jesus said, I've given my disciples my, your word, talking about the Father's word. If you have this book in your life, don't expect to be embraced by the world. Amen? Jesus said here that I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them. Because they're not of the world. And and we've gone over this before. You know, the Romans, when they finally figured out that Christians weren't just another sect of Judaism, how did they figure it out? Because the Jews were saying, they're not us, they're not us. Leave them alone. Get to the, you know, go get them. And, and trying to encourage the Roman government to persecute the Christians because they couldn't stop them. And there were discussions that were had. You know what? The emperor had no problem in taking Jesus into the pantheon of gods. They had done that with all the Greek gods. Why not do it with this new one? No problem. There's only one problem with that is the Christian said, no, you, you don't understand. We have to go into your pantheon of all the gods, of all the people, and throw them all away. You see, it's not the fact that Jesus is the head of all the gods. The Romans would have had no problem taking Zeus and putting him over here and putting Jesus in the center. If that was the way it worked, hey, they had done that to their own gods. They probably would have changed his name and given him a good Italian name. Uh, but the simple truth of the matter was they were willing to do anything except sweep the pantheon out, tear it down, and worship Jesus only. You see, that's the difference between Jesus and the world. That's why in the book of Romans it said, it says that if thou shalt confess what? The Lord Jesus. That means no others. Jesus said, I've given them thy word, and the world has recognized them as no longer being a part of the world. We need to practice separation. But that separation never was meant to occur by God's people saying, I can't be a part of you dirty worldlings anymore. You see, that was 
what happened with the monasteries. God's idea of separation is spelled out right here in this text. The world said, you Christians bother me. Get away. Stop interfering with what I'm supposed to be doing. And you know what? Look at the political uh, diatribe, uh, conversation, whatever you want to call it, over the last 30 years in the United States. What has it been? What has it been? It's been people getting into government and passing laws telling Christians you have no right to tell us we can't murder little babies. Uh, you, don't, you cannot tell us that we can only pray to the God of the Bible in, in our schools. You know, we didn't tell them anything except the same thing we're telling them now. You know what? If your mind is made up to murder someone, you can make all the laws in the world. And it won't stop a murderer from committing murder, now will it? Hmm? But should we back up because people ignore the law and say, well, I guess it's okay to commit murder. I mean, really. We're not going to stop them. Laws were never intended to stop people from committing crime. Laws were meant to convict people and punish people. That's what hell is all about, isn't it? That's what God's law is. You see, we use the law wrong. It's a backwards use, and it's spelled out so clearly, the world will separate from us because they hate what we stand You don't have to say. You, you want to get rid of your bad friends? You say, I've got these friends, and they're influencing me, and I just can't get... Invite them to church. Just bring them to church. Guess what? Maybe they'll get saved. Then they could really become good friends. But if their heart and mind is set on serving the world and you start doing the things that the Bible says, your old friends are going to leave you. Not the other way around. We don't follow the word. The world, we're supposed to follow the word. The moment we start doing that, we're going to be out of step with the world. Have you ever watched uh, a military group march or someone who is supposed to be marching and there's just one guy in there who can't get it? And I mean, he's all the time double-stepping, trying to get back into step and, and everybody else looks good. And I mean, he just looks... He's, I, I don't know why they're always in the back two or three rows and on the side where everybody can see them. But, I mean, how many of you have ever seen that? I mean, it is hilarious, is it not? And you can feel, especially in a military thing, you can feel the tension. Because they're all going, this 
idiots making us look bad. Well, you know what? That's what happens in the world when you get out of step. You make them look bad. So they're going to hate you. But here's God's answer for separation. Look at verse 15. He says, I pray not. Now, if Jesus says, I'm praying not for it, don't you pray for it. But how many of you have ever thought about praying? Oh, Lord, I just wish I could go home today. Just take me out of this place. As you get older, you start thinking a little bit more about heaven, a little less about the world in which you live. Jesus said, I don't pray for that. I'm not praying for that. I'm not praying that you would take them out of the world. Yet, what do people want to do? They want to move out in the country where everybody's nice and where everybody's Christian and nobody gets upset. And you can, you can, and I know some other people want to move so far in the country that they couldn't be around another person if they wanted. Why? Because they don't want to put up with the hatred of the world. Now, one thing I, and I'm not, it's not in your notes here, but I'm not intending to preach on this, but I think we just need to say something about it. We've had, I couldn't tell you how many people. I try purposely not to keep track of it. In fact, I had one man set me down and say, you just can't raise a family in the city. I'm moving out so I can take care of my family. You know what? That wasn't the only problem he had. I was rather relieved when he told me that. And I said, that must be God's will for your life. (laughs) Because you sure have caused a lot of problems. Nobody knows who I'm talking about. But I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to stay here in the headquarters of the world to let the world know that his word is still going on right here. Amen. Amen. I mean, you got to put up with a lot to live in New York City. And I'm thankful for everyone that puts up with it and stays with our church and continues serving God in spite of what's going on because that's the answer. Jesus said, I'm not praying that you'll be taken out of the world. I'm praying that you'll be kept from the evil because the world is going to hate you. If you follow my word, it's going to separate you from the world. It's not going to be you trying to be separate from the world. It is the world that's going to hate what you are about and they're going to separate from you. I mean, this morning, I took a big drink of coffee out of my mug. And it tasted just like dish soap. You know, I was expecting one thing and I got something else. You know what I did? I separated me from that coffee. In short order. You know, that's what the world, that's what happens to the world when they take a taste of us, if you're flavored by the word 
Amen? And if I get mixed up and put the word in the wrong place and the world in the wrong place, you'll forgive me. I mean, I'm just having a problem. Every time I try to say that word, it, uh, it all wants to come out the same tonight for some reason. But here's the answer. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now that word sanctify is an incredible word. It means to make holy. To set apart for a specific or special use. Something that is sanctified is not used every day. It's not used in ordinary ways. Now, we are supposed to be sanctified for the master's use. Amen? We're not supposed to be ordinary people doing ordinary things. The word ought to make you different from the world. And he said that we're to be sanctified. And what is the first accusation the world makes about the sanctified Christian? Oh, you just think you're holier than I am. Now, don't get near, you know, you're... Holier than thou. No. But if I have the word of God active in me, shouldn't I be holier than someone who doesn't? Hello? Shouldn't there be a difference? Should it be that unusual that someone who is serving God should live a little differently than someone who is serving the devil? Say, well, wait a minute, I'm not serving the devil. I'm, I'm just doing it my way. Yeah, you and Frankie Sinatra, but who was he serving? He, he was serving the spirits that come in the bottle. That's who he was serving for sure. But you may think you're serving yourself. But you can only serve one of two masters. You're either serving the God of heaven... Or the God of this world. There are no other choices. And so Jesus is simply saying. Listen they're no longer of the world. Why are they no longer of the world? Because they have the word. Amen. And because they're no longer of the world. The world's going to hate them. And. I'm not asking you to sugarcoat them so that the world will like them more. That's not what he said. He, he then takes it to the next step. Sanctify them. Make them more separate. If we understood one thing, the time that God has allotted us to walk this earth is to prepare us to walk the streets of the New Jerusalem. I, I've been told, well, you're just so heavenly minded, you're not going to be any earthly good. You know, actually, I take that as a compliment. Because 
if my mind is set on heaven and somebody else recognizes it to the point that they have to be sarcastic about it, I must be a little further ahead than I thought I was. Amen. What a blessing. You recognized it. Thank you very much. You want to blow somebody's mind, just do it that way. Amen. Totally freak them out. Why? Because I want to be separated from the world. Now look at verse 18. Here's what Jesus is praying. Here's what he's asking God to do. Here's what he's telling God he's done. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Verse 17, thy word is truth. Verse 19, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Jesus said, listen, God sent me, I sent them. Do you get how important that is? How important was it that Jesus came into this world? Do you know anything more important than that? And he's saying, listen, just like God sent me, I'm sending them. But we get to verse 20 and he says, I'm not praying for them only. I'm praying for those that believe on me through their testimony. Uh, guess what? I love verse 20. Jesus, in the shadow of the cross, could see Open Door Bible Baptist Church and every other church, not only ours. And he was praying for us. On his way to the cross, he was thinking about us all these centuries down the road. Because he wants us to do the same thing. But it doesn't happen easily. It doesn't happen naturally. In fact, if we get involved in the process of trying to make it happen, horrendously bad things are generated, are they not? Have you ever met anybody who tried to be separated from the world? I mean, I've met them. You know, they come up with all kinds of strange and sundry things that make them more separated than everybody else. And it's always bad things. It's always imitating human beings. You know, the Amish wanted to be separated from the world, so they drew their line at 1820. And if you get into a real Amish settlement today, what what did people wear before 1820? I mean, clothes, yeah, but they were very different than what the Amish, but the Amish drew their line in 1820. Muhammad drew his line in 600 A.D., Um, different people draw their lines at different places. You know where the Bible draws a line? It's a word called 
modesty. You know what? Modesty does not go in and out of style. Now, there are things that, I mean, I think I read an article one time, 1929, uh, ladies, if you exposed your ankles at Jones Beach, you would be given a summons and ejected from the beach. But can I ask you a question? Were there dirty things going on in Jones Beach in 1929? In spite of the rules? Yeah. Uh, Are there bad things that go on at Heartland Baptist Bible College in spite of all the rules? Mm -hmm. Sometimes every once in a while somebody has to get a free trip home. And uh, because people are going to keep doing what people do. Here's where sanctification comes from. Uh, Abide in me as the branch in the vine. Oh, Oh, guess what? That is a natural process. It is the branch bringing forth what it gets from the vine and it makes the leaves and the grapes happen. Guess what? Our separation from the world ought to be a natural, not reactionary process. You know, I don't know who invented bright red lipstick. Probably Cleopatra. I don't know. Uh, It's been around for a long time. But it draws attention. That's what it's for. Right? Well, we're going to be sanctified. We're only going to put on light pink. Uh, Excuse me. If the same spirit is there, it doesn't matter whether you're wearing lipstick or not. There's still a sensuality that is displayed and it's sinful. That's not biblical separation. Biblical separation is not the world light. It's the word heavy. Amen? And when we are sanctified through the word, the word does not come from us, it comes from him. Just like the juice that makes the grapes doesn't come from the branch, it comes from the vine. Amen? Uh, There is a natural process of this flowing through and producing the fruit. And Jesus is praying that the disciples would produce much fruit. He said, I've ordained you in the chapter before. We're trying to summarize things tonight. Well, how does that happen? I've given unto them thy word. The world hated them. And I'm praying that they don't get taken out of the world, but they get kept from the evil that's in the world. Amen? Nobody wants to eat rotten fruit. At least I hope you don't. Everything's so quiet, I think somebody's been eating some or something. Amen? And Jesus said, listen, I'm giving you the example. I'm sanctifying myself. 
How did he sanctify himself? Didn't Nicodemus give Jesus an opportunity to be part of the religious system that the Jewish people had developed? That's what that visit by night was all about. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. Nicodemus was trying to bring Jesus into the Sanhedrin. He was trying to bring him into what was textbook definition of Jewishness because they had the they were writing the dictionary. And Jesus said, "No, Mr. Nicodemus, it doesn't work that way. I can't join you." But if you want the truth, you're going to have to join me. Aren't you so glad Nicodemus showed up on crucifixion day to bury the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. And his friend Joseph of Arimathea. They tell us these two men were the richest men of all Judaism, at least in the land of Israel. That's what people are supposed to know these things how do you check bank accounts in 33 A.D.? Huh? Uh, I'm not quite sure how that all accomplishes, gets accomplished, but people who are supposed to know these things say these things, so we'll, we'll agree with them. But the simple fact in the matter is that Herod probably didn't have much more attending at his funeral than Jesus did at his. 150 pounds of spices was a lot. That was a king's burial. But he was, wasn't he? Crucified criminals did not get burials like that. But Jesus did. Because his word got a hold of a couple of lives and changed them. I wonder how welcome Mr. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea were in the Jewish councils after the crucifixion. When word got around that they were the ones responsible for burying Jesus and they had that little mishap on the third day, you know, the guard got scared and ran off and they stole his body and how the disciples pulled that one off, the council would never figure out, but Joseph and Nicodemus probably had something to do with that. Am I the only guy who thinks like this? Apparently so. You mind thinking like this with me? Does it shed a little light on what's being said here? Jesus said, I'm going to sanctify myself so that those that follow me can be separated from the world in the same way. And what did his disciples tell those very men who were responsible, humanly speaking, for the crucifixion? They said, you're going to have to tell us which is better. Do we obey you or do we obey God? Because we can't do both. How in the world could you get any more separated than that? Amen? These dumb, backwards, uneducated, but they took notice that they had been with Jesus, didn't they? And they couldn't answer them. 
So they resorted to physical violence. Does that sound like the world hating you? Because of the words work in your life? Pretty good living illustration. Amen. I mean, that's what this passage is about. And Jesus is saying, I'm praying for them, but I'm not praying for them alone. I'm praying for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You know, I was going through my emails before church and one of them said, have more visitors in your church on Sunday. And we're signing up for some stupid program. You know what I, I, I wish for Sunday? That people would come to church and understand that God sent Jesus because of what we did here. The world will believe Jesus when they see Jesus living in your life. Amen? The world does not need another friend. They need someone to show them Jesus. And so here's, here's world evangelism right here. It, it, if we want to be more effective, we've got to be more like Christ. We've got to be more in line. The Bible says being one. Now it uses that when it talks about a wedding, a marriage. It says two shall be one. Here it says that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. How can you get any closer than God the Son and God the Father? But he wants to put us in that equation. And you know, oftentimes we, we talk about at funerals, you know, what? how are we going to uh, treat each other in heaven? What, what's it going to be like in heaven when I would see uh, my, my, that person who was my wife here on earth? How are we going to be together in heaven? I mean, it's, the Bible says that there are no special relationships in heaven except that we're one with God. But you see, if I'm one with God and she's one with God, we're going to be so much closer than we could ever be on earth. But yet we're going to share that closeness with every believer Does that blow your mind or what? Could that be why the Apostle Paul, when he explains the local church, calls it the body of Christ? I believe it is. And it's not this invisible, erythral thing spread out all over the universe. That's an autopsy, a scientific experiment. A living body has to be in one place attached. All of its members connected. And if you have any problems with that, just go home and get a needle, not a pin. And just stick it right in the end of your finger. 
what percentage of your body tissue have you just disturbed? Maybe one-tenth of one percent? So why do your toes hurt? Because it's connected, silly. If we're one, shouldn't we be connected? Amen? And this is Jesus' prayer. We may still have to finish this up next week. You see, that's how the world is going to know that Jesus is true. That's what it says, isn't it? Let's read the rest of verse 21. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You know, I think we're going about this the wrong way sometimes. If the world is going to believe that God sent Jesus, it's going to be because of our oneness with Jesus Christ and the Father. You know, a few years ago, somebody visited our church and said, I I don't like your church. I said, it's not my church. It belongs to the Lord. He said, I just don't like it. It's all about the Bible, nothing else. I said, thank you very much. Well, what do you mean? Don't you believe in... No. We don't believe in great men. We do not give any credence to any man. Well, hasn't man accomplished some good things? No. The only good thing that any has ever been accomplished through any man is what God has done through him, period. We reject the goodness of mankind because we embrace the goodness of God alone. They are mutually exclusive points. Now look at verse 22. I don't know. Wow. Where did the time go? It's 8.30. Okay, let's just touch on verse 22. We'll pick up there next week. It says... And the glory which thou gavest me. And the glory which thou gavest me. What's that next phrase? I have given them. Do you get that? Do you get that? Jesus says, Father... The glory that you've given me, I'm giving it to my servants. And we treat our relationship with God so lightly, sometimes, so callously. You know, let me just... Let me just get rid of this Christian for a minute. I got to deal with a problem here. Mm -mm. Do you think God's glory would solve a problem? Do you know of any problem God's glory can't solve? 
Do you know of any issue that wouldn't be made better if just a little of God's glory showed up? Well, why don't we keep it on? We don't often wear it very well, do we? But let's think about that and pray about that. What a, what a prayer. You know what? You could read through thousands of pages of theology books and never ever be challenged as much as you are by just reading through these few chapters in the book of John. That's why I don't spend much time reading the theology books. Amen. But I'll tell you what, we, we need to spend a little more time living this prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, I would pray that the Holy Spirit would be able to impress upon our souls the terrifying power of this thought, of this claim, of this statement of truth that was made by the Savior. Lord, that we would think about it and meditate upon it. That, Lord, you'd get a hold of us. Make us different. Lord, let us not think about separation from the world as something we ought to do, but as something that your word will accomplish if it were only present and active in our lives as it should be. Lord, help us to love the world in which we live, not the things of the world, but the souls. But Lord, the love is not a feeling. It's obedience to your word. It's oneness with you that will make the world believe. Help us, Lord. To be close enough to you that the world would realize that you're right. Lord, grant us the ability to serve you in these last days. And Lord, we pray once again that your prayers would be answered in our lives here in this church today. We pray you would be glorified in the answer to those prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish, just keep our heads bowed.